Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I am Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. Oh, I've been listening to the uh, TCM podcast about Lucille Ball, and I just got to the episode that's about the beginnings of I Love Lucy. And even though I was pretty familiar with the story, it is still incredible to hear Desi Arnaz come up with just one after the other with all of the innovations that would create the sitcom. Shooting on film so it could play on both coasts, which came about because Lucy was pregnant and they didn't want it to go to New York. And at the time, what they would do was shoot in LA and then put a camera on it and shoot the camera the kinescope and that's what they would air on the other coast he was he came up with the idea we shoot on film you make as many prints as you want so there's that he came up with the idea of shooting on a sound stage with an audience he hired carl freund genius cinematographer and director to figure out how to light the show and carl freund came up with the idea of oh if we hung the lights from the ceiling we could light the whole scene simultaneously. And then Desi said, hey, we will take a pay cut, but we want to keep ownership of the negatives. And it's, you know, CBS was like, sure, like it's a TV show. Who's ever going to watch it more than once? It's really an incredible story. Anyone who works in sitcoms should know that story. But back to this podcast. This is the after show for Yours, Mine, and Paul's, written by Julia Meltzer. Uh, I talked not only to Julia, but also to Abraham Higginbotham, who was her supervisor. Abraham is just a fantastic writer uh, who's written on Arrested Development, Will and Grace. He's spent 10 years at Modern Family. Uh, if there are any aspiring writers listening who fantasize about what it would be like to sell that first network pilot, here's a great example of how it might go. This was Julia's first paying gig as a writer. And she takes us through the play-by-play -play of her experience, getting a producer on board, then a studio, then finding a supervisor, which had some bumps, then selling the script to a network. Uh, it's interesting to hear about the changes that Abraham suggested to Julia when he came on board and how he and Julia worked together. And you get to hear the plot lines for the second episode that they actually wrote. They did write a second episode and some of their other ideas for where the show was going to go. So definitely listen to the table read of yours, mine, and Paul's if you haven't already. Uh, I'll wait. Okay, cool. And uh, now that you have, here you go. Enjoy my interview with Julia Meltzer and Abraham Higginbotham. Uh, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hi, it's Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun. It's the Thanksgiving season, and I want to take this opportunity to thank you, the members of Maximum Fun. This Max Fun Drive, your generosity and your love of pins, helped us raise over $90,000 to help bridge the digital divide. Families without internet access struggle to do things that the rest of us might take for granted, especially during COVID. Going to school, applying for jobs, fighting medical care. Your donations help the nonprofit Everyone On. They provide equipment, services, and training to get people online so they can access opportunity. You can find out more about the great work Everyone On does at everyoneon.org. 
Thanks for supporting Maximum Fun. Thanks for supporting everyone on. And thanks for being awesome people who want to do good in the world. Julia Meltzer is here with me, the writer of Yours, Mine, and Paul's. We have a special guest, Abraham Higginbotham. Um, welcome, both of you. Uh, let's let's start, Julia. We talked a little bit, you know, that this was a spec that you sold, it, but we didn't really get to talk about um, the impetus for this, like where this idea came from, why you wrote this show. Yeah. Um... Well, I wanted to write uh, a network spec and my, <laughs> I have a Paul in my life who's still alive, but he was my roommate for many years. And we used to always talk about like, we would joke about having a baby together. Um, but he had this friend who I detested, who I think is like, I really think it's a bad person and continue to think it's a bad person. <laughs> and once like all of our friends were sitting around, we were joking about like Julia and David have a baby together. And like, wouldn't it be so funny if you thought you were getting impregnated with David's sperm, but instead you got this guy's sperm who you hated. And then you were carrying the baby of this person you hate. And I was like, I think that would be a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> not funny for real life but funny for sitcom <laughs> and this wasn't david's boyfriend right it was just his friend. no no right. it was just a a hated friend <laughs> <laughs> have you told that hated friend that you wrote and you know, I don't so just so he'll know to listen. I don't know what, what <laughs> so is. I, I, I genuinely hate him. I had to like make the character likable and stuff for TV. I was gonna this say, so he, I don't speak to. He wasn't hateful in the same charming, funny way. Not as at all, Xander. No. <laughs> right? <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> and when you wrote this, were you thinking you were thinking it was just going to be a writing sample? Yeah, I was hoping to get staff. And at what? Where were you in your writing career at that point? Um, I had been, well, I was a development assistant as my day job. So I was in the where was, world. Where, were you, where was that? At Desert Whale, um, Ty Burrell's development company who ended up producing the script. Okay. Yes. So I had, um, I was reading lots of scripts and I was also at UCB performing improv and I had written a feature and I had written another spec and I was, writing a feature with a producer, an indie feature with a producer. That was kind of the, those were the highlights of my writing career <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so you're reading all these things and was there a little bit of feeling like I could, I could do better than this stuff? Hugely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, okay. So you, when you so you write the spec and then did you give it to to Ty? Is that the where this sort of started? Yeah, I gave I actually gave it to one of his producing partners at the time who um was also uh like a working staff writer. So I knew he had a literary agent and I was like, maybe this is more of the person to give it to than Ty, but then he liked it so much that he was like, Maybe we should actually produce this and he gave it to Ty. And at that point is when does abraham come into the picture so much later okay all right all right sorry abraham you gotta you gotta sit tight for a little bit longer yeah yeah we'll, 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 we'll... i guess you could have told me like 350 <laughs> <laughs>
could have been my yeah. call time. I'm sorry. You know, you definitely should have had a later call time. Okay, so I'm listening. So you now have um, some. You know, you have a, a producer on board mm-hmm. at, with this, uh, which has got to be exciting. Just going from that development assistant job to now, like yeah. you're a writer, working with them as as a writer. Yeah. So so then what happens? Um. Then there was a lot of excitement from their agent, which was very encouraging. But it was like, let's wait for the right time to go to studios. Then, uh, like, <laughs> so then we waited. Then when it was the right time to go to studios, they sent it out to all the studios. And um, people liked it. And then we met with the people who liked it the most. And I was all ready. I had to like develop a show in a pitch document because I wrote it as a sec. So I was like, I wasn't thinking about what else I might have to write for that. What the series would be, right? Yeah. But then we went and um, it, it was kind of a surreal experience. Actually, the studios were pitching us really because there was interest and they had read the pilot and they knew they wanted it. So, um, that was it was like so surreal having like never worked as a writer and then I'm like sitting in these offices that I had like been to as an assistant and stuff like when I would like go to like take notes and spies meeting <laughs> and then it was the executives being like please let us have this it was so crazy wow and where were those places how many of these studios were were begging you we we did three in one day because of Ty's busy schedule and then we were kind of like, you know, we'll try to move the other ones up. But then ultimately we were like, we'll probably go with one of these people who were so enthusiastic that they begged us. And which one did you end up? We ended up going with 20th. With 20th. Okay. And is that where Ty's deal, his company's deal is? Is now and had been before, but wasn't in that little window when we were doing this. Okay. Yeah. All right, so now you have these two pieces. You've got a pod, you've got the producer, you have 20th, you have the studio. And um, was the thought just to start going right to networks or? Um, no, it was to attach a supervisor. That was the, the next item on the agenda. Okay, so, all right, hopefully, listeners sort of are following you know all these you know it's a little bit hard sometimes for people to understand all these pieces <laughs> of the puzzle but supervisors basically so you're someone who you hadn't been on on a writing staff before yeah. you're fairly you know you're a pretty inexperienced writer and so they're like okay if this goes you julia are are not going to be not going to have the experience to just run the show on your own so, well i think not even that they were like we're going to sell this to a network and they're going to the studio didn't have any revisions for me but they were like the network will have notes and they wanted me to have someone to help me do that process which is what ultimately happened with Abraham which was so helpful I would have been completely at sea doing that process and so um okay so this is now when Abraham is coming into the picture no no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you sold it to abc before i yeah. think right wasn't yeah. it already sold it was already sold. Time? okay yeah. wait all right so oh but i thought you said that the studio was like wanting you to bring on a supervisor before taking it out to networks well it was very hard to find a supervisor and i think Ab- we had gone to abraham but it was not right at the time 
<laughs> that's not right at the time for him. <laughs> I was still doing Modern Family, and I had three children under the age of four at that point, wow. I think. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to EP Modern Family and do my three children <laughs> and somehow squeeze this in. It's not going to happen right now. Okay. Basically, yeah. So were you just turning everything down? Did you even read it at that point? I did. Okay. I read it because, you know, Ty's a friend and, and I trust him and he's a very smart, funny person. So I was sure it wasn't shit. You know what I mean? Like I was like, if Ty's going to ask me to do this, um, there's something here. And I read it and I just thought it's just, I really like it. I can't, I can't see myself doing this right now. And also, you know, after 11 years on Modern Family, 10, I guess I did 10. Um, and years of television prior to that, I was like, I'm not doing another network thing right now. I can't go from modern family to another network project. I cannot do it. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> going to do this. So Julie, basically, did you meet, you met with some other people, Julia, at once Abraham yeah. said no. We, we went down the road with some other people and, um, Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And some, you know, some people, I have to say, I think some of the people went, went down the road with were just like, everybody loves Ty. So nobody wants to be like, no. But ultimately, it, it was a no from those people or they had too many changes they wanted to make that it was kind of like, we should find someone who just gets the idea as it is. And it's great that you had Ty beside you at that time. Because oh a yeah. network or studio might have said, if you want this to survive, just do what he's yeah, telling yeah. you. Completely. Period. Yeah. And having been having been <laughs> informed of some of those notes, they were fucking insane. <laughs> do you remember? You don't have to name it. You don't have to name any of the people, any of the supervisors. But do you remember some of those insane notes? It was um, to change the the biggest note was to change the Xander character to be older. So you would kind of also have this tension of like they're of two different generations. That's also why they're not getting along. Um, it just seemed an arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> because there's enough tension already. Tension in that yeah. in that script was not the problem. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I did, and it being like my first time around, I don't even know if I totally stand by this as a concept, but they were like, you know, you need to bake all these differences into these characters so there can be conflict. And it's like, yeah, if they're just friends living across the hall who are going to find themselves in the same room every week, then yeah, they have to be very, very different people so they can have lots of conflict. But it was like, I had baked so much conflict into the plot already. Like, it was actually very plotty. So it was like, there's a lot going on already without them right. being and, like... And the, theoretically, in the series, they're going to be raising a child together yeah. right which even yeah. it doesn't matter how well you get along and how similar you are there's just endless conflicts raising a child together yes yeah <laughs> I mean, there that's all you need is like there's two people yeah. and they're raising a child together like yeah. gonna, there's gonna be conflict <laughs> yeah um okay so so did you go far down the road with any of those other people like yeah with two of with we went two rounds down the road one we were kind of like this it sounds like he's going to want endless changes and, and that was going to be too much for us. And then the other, the studio was like, this isn't the right person. And I think they had their own agenda for wanting that person to do something else. Um, 
And then at some point we got talent attached. Was that, it was like when you came on or it was before you came on or right after Abraham? It was right after. Okay. So we were talking to Sarah Highland. We were like, Oh no, I did come on before before Sarah. Sarah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, there was some, I was, we were, we were sort of together. We were together. It was a, yeah. Hey, we're going to try and do this. And now I think we're going to add Sarah and now will you reconsider? Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) The project you were just working on with two other people died and we're paying you. And yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that, those are some of the reasons that made you change your mind about. Well, it was partly that. You know, it was weird because I, I really, um, wait, should I really talk now? Or are we, are we, um, I don't want to take over. So oh, yeah, you really talk now. Yeah. <laughs> so <Is> real. <laughs> okay. Um, no, they asked, Ty had asked me, you know, once during the show. And then I think twice during the show, he said, would you consider it again? And I was like, Ty, I swear to God, I love you. And I can't, and it's good. And I totally see why you want to make this. I just, I don't want to do network right now. I don't want to do multicam. And I've had a lot of gay in my career and I'm ready <laughs> for a little bit of a change. It just felt you know, like you get into that box and you can't get out of it at some point. And I had been writing Mitch and Cam for 10 years. Like I needed, you know, and network. So it was hugely that. And then I was working on something, a streaming 420th with two other writers uh, right after Modern Family ended. And when the pandemic started, literally within two weeks of Modern Family ending, I think is when we all got locked down. And that died pretty quickly. And I had been writing a spec on my own that I um, wanted to do something with knowing 20th was going to be like, this maybe isn't our thing. Um, And then I think Ty came at me a third time. Or you know who was? Stephanie Levinson at 20th casting. She came at me and said, I know Ty asked you and I know you said no, but we think you're the right person. And we're maybe going to attach Sarah Highland and you two get along well, you've been writing for her for years. Would you consider that? And I said, let me read it again and I'll let you know. Cause I had been nine yeah. months or something since I'd read it. And the script that got to me was the one I originally read. You hadn't made any changes based on those other supervisors comments. Or had you made ch- changes and then reverted back to your originals? That, yeah, I made the change. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went yeah, back, we right? Yeah, we went back the to the original, yeah. Right. And I had, you know, I again, I thought there's there's a lot here. There's su- such good conflict and um, premise. It's, such a, it's a great premise. And it's a, it's a an easily digestible, good hook, you know? Like these two people who hate each other find themselves <laughs> having a baby and the intermediary dies. And it was so dark that I liked that part of it, just that you meet this guy and by the cold open, he's dead. (laughs) It was crazy. Um, But also, you know, I had written Will and Grace and I had written Mitch and Cam and Ty's point was you wrote, and some people would disagree with this, but you wrote Mitch and Cam as two people who had a love-hate sort of thing. They bickered a lot, but there was such love underneath. And he's like, that's what we're trying to find with these characters. We don't want to make them hateful. We don't want to make them unpleasant to be around. And that seems to be something that you as a writer have been able to do for 10 years on the show, keeping Mitch and Cam from seeming like people that hate each other, even though some people have said to me, why do Mitch and Cam hate each other? (laughs) Um, Fuck those people. Uh, So so I, I was getting on board and then I read it. And I don't know how much Julia, but I was like, hey, we need to, 
I want to, I would first like to flesh yeah, this yeah. out diversity. Well, I mean, should we, yeah, there was big, yeah. it, the version Abraham read was really different from the version we just read um, on the podcast, mainly like the big pitch that was like, so made such a big difference was to have the mom character be Xander's mom and not, she used to be Paul's mom in the original draft. The dead guy's, the dead guy's mom. mom. Yeah. And I liked that because it felt like this like symmetrical triangle with like Paul missing at the center. It's like these two people. And then this like mother-in-law character who was every, who was, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I thought that would make it interesting. But what I love about having it be Xander's mom is it's actually like Sarah or Lauren has her person she has Oliver who's like in her camp and Xander didn't really have anyone who was like in his camp in the situation so it she got to be she still had this kind of like contentious mother-in-law type relationship with Lauren but she could be um like an ally for Xander and um thought would we would be able to it would feel like a well at some point we attached Elliot Knight to play Xander but well that was prior to that even yeah Yeah. when they when I one of the reasons I didn't to your question about supervising is I'd never done it before and I didn't know what it was yeah I was interested whether you had I had never done it I'd certainly every writer's assistant at Modern Family gave me a script everybody at some point hands you a script and you help and you give notes and then you detach and say good luck because now I have to do my day job basically day job (laughs) emphasis on the wrong syllable there um but i uh so and i and part of the reason honestly that i didn't want to do it is i thought there is a great i i think of it like pottery like someone hands you this thing where they've chosen like to build uh, something i want to build and it has all the right colors but it wasn't totally in in its shape yet as a someone who had been doing this for 17 years at that point i guess or 16 years or something. So I just thought there's so much good raw material here, but I would want to shape it. And part of the reason I don't want to supervise this tie is I don't want to come in and take someone's idea that they care a lot about. Cause I remember writing my first spec and they care a lot and they think it works well. And I don't want to come in and go, but I'm going to do this. So I said, here's, I'm going to send you notes. Do you remember this? Yeah. I said, I'm going to send you my notes by email. It's really funny, actually. (laughs) I want you both to read them to know this is what I would want to do. Because I'm not saying yes until Julia says, I'm okay with these thoughts. Because I don't want to come in and and take over and destroy shit and make it not her show and do all that kind of stuff. And what what I looked at as my job as supervisor was to come in and help her make... I'm just going to say this because you're a brand new writer, but make better the thing that she, in my view and in my capability, the better the thing that, and more sellable and more just clear, just bring it into focus. The thing that she already has and wants to do. I had no interest in changing it. And I had no interest in working with someone who was like, I kind of just want to do it my way because I thought, well, if I'm going to come in, I'm, I'm going to do things, but here's what I, I want you to know what I'm going to do before I say yes, because I want you to know how this is going to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, I was reading, I was really kind of like, oh, this is a huge change to have it not be Paul's mom. And 
then the studio because I was such a baby the studio was oh yeah this yeah is a... this is the studio uh, so they were like emailing us like how how's it going with Abraham like or maybe even oh, and I did not. I intentionally. I know. But wait, I intentionally did not share my notes with the yeah. studio or the network. I sent them straight to Ty yeah. and Julia. Yes. And then I was like, it was great. Like he sent us some notes and they were like, oh, like great. Like send them over. We want to see them. And I was like, my boss is at the studio. So I, I like sent them the document and they loved Abraham's notes. And then it was like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing that. And <laughs> I remember we talked to Abraham and he was like, that's on you. He was like, he was like, I didn't send the studio the notes. They didn't. <laughs> I said, here's your first lesson if I'm going to supervise this. Do not tell the studio or the network anything you aren't certain you want to yeah. do. <laughs> My two pitches were Xander has to be black and his mother, the mother has to be Xander's mother. A for more diversity and B for I want the dead guys. I don't want I don't care about the dead guy's mom as I care about the live guy's mom. I care more about the li the guy on stage. And we again what we talked about with Julia, which we both agreed on, was he now has a camp. He now has a his own world. And he also has someone in that world who's very much a truth speaker to tear him down a little bit, to bring him back to the earth when he needed to be brought back to earth. Because he was so impenetrable in a way. And you needed that mother to be like, but I can penetrate you. And I will when I feel like you're being a dick. And when you see um, his mother, you can also understand how he became impenetrable. And, you know, there's right. have more access to right. his, his past and his story, you know. Yeah. Right. And she was like, I'm not sure about the mom. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, look, and then I got I'm this call from the sure. studio. I was only not sure because I loved Sybil as a child. I forget if I said this in my the little interview before the podcast. I loved Sybil as a child and I essentially had written this mom character that was just Christine Baranski on Sybil. <laughs> and I was like, I that's comedy. Like how can you lose that character? That's what comedy is. <laughs> but I'm so glad I'm, I'm very glad we made the change. But yeah. You were so you were so on board. Yeah. But once you told the studio and then the studio called me and they're like, we love that whole thing about the mom. I quickly called Julian was like, are you right. cool with this? Because why'd you all tell you, them? All your leverage is gone because we're now doing this. And was it just I mean, it seems like it may have, you know, your reservations about it may have just been you are fairly new. You haven't done a lot of major rewrites to something right so it had to have been scary like oh this is, any big change was probably a little bit nervous making because you're not used to like when you're on a staff you're constantly like throwing things out and rewriting them in a couple days but you're still yeah I, I, was, I had been you know just from being in writing class and also I was a creative writing major in college so I was like had done so many workshops and received so much feedback on things at that point I had gotten so much practice on like receiving feedback and either taking it or not taking it. But I don't think I was having that okay. white problem. Um, no, I would, I would vouch for you having gone forward from uh -huh. there that you were, you were very receptive and very chill usually. Yeah, I was. And, and I think ultimately it was like, Abraham is the, uh, so the suggestion is coming from like a real understanding of the idea. And like, what makes it interesting? And he's like, let's make it more interesting in this way and give this character more yeah. juice against this character. Yeah. I mean, there. I think there are different philosophies that, that supervisors come into projects with. Uh, you're right. For and, sure. Um, 
I think when I've tried to do it, I always try and come from like, okay, I want to help this person realize their vision, you know, better, which is, feels like what you're, what you're saying. And then the other side of that, which is a squishy thing is like, my job is to get this thing sold and on the air. And people think that they sometimes like have some kind of insight into what's going to make something more likely to make it all the way through. Um, personally, I'm just like, no one really knows that. So if, if that's what you're going for, yeah. like it, it, it's, you're, you're, everyone's just making guesses and you don't know that any better than anyone else. But I do think that's how a lot of people, you know, what people think their, their job as a supervisor is, which is where a lot of the conflict and tension can come from between a writer and a supervisor. But Abraham, it sounds like you were just like, I've read this. I really like it. I think it can be richer, um, by, you know, making these changes rather than you were thinking, That's what, I'm going to get yes. it on the air if we do, you know, A, B, and C. No, I definitely thought, let's make the best version of this that I think I'm capable of making. And again, like you said, I don't fucking know, but I'm going to try what my instincts are and what my experience has taught me and, and, and work with Julia to make sure it's still her thing. And I certainly thought it had a chance. And we were told constantly it was like, it was so like, it was like the horse that was going to win the race. Yeah. I mean, all the yeah. time until the last, last moment. It was such a crazy, we were, you know, I was just like, okay, I didn't want to run a fucking multicam on ABC, but I guess that's what I'm going to be doing next. Honestly, that's what it yeah. felt like. And to it got to that point where I thought, well, you did it. And then of course, you know this, Andrew, as you write things, you start to fall in love with them and you start to care about yeah. what they are and you want to want to follow the whole that through. Episode. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah, we, we had a we whole second like, episode. We're you know running what's funny the show is now. it's happening. And what's episodes 3 and 4? Like <laughs> Yeah, but they were I mean and they were asking us. Yeah. It was weird yeah. and then it just but um Yeah, it was definitely that. How much So what was the process on this um the pilot episode? You know, you got these notes and then did you just execute them, Julia? Or how much did you guys sort of work together, writing together on this script? And we, we, it was the same process for both. And we worked together a lot. And that we kind of would like go through, this is what I remember, Abraham. We would go through it like once together. We were on Zoom a lot. And then I would go away and do a pass. And then Abraham did a pass. And then we joined up for a final aligned pass. Yeah. Okay. We would just make sure on Zoom, all, this, all the uh, beats were very clear. Because I wanted her to feel very confident. We was all, that was often the, con the, the question, too. Like, do you feel like you have everything you need to now go and take a pass? Because, again, I wanted it to come through her first. It was her idea and it was her voice. And she would come back with these things that I was like, I'm so glad I did that because I wouldn't have come up with this run. Do you know what I mean? Like things that would come in that I know I'm a fairly confident writer, but things would come back and I'd think, and you have to think that you think it throughout your career. I never would have thought of that fucking yeah. joke. <laughs> like, where did that come from in your head? And she had a few runs like that in both the first and the second episode that I thought like when, even when we discussed it at length and I was like, let's make sure this beat is this. And in this way, it will then throw to the next beat. And now this beat, cause that's one of the things that I think all new writers have to learn is like, what is, what's throwing to the next beat? How is this being driven forward? How is it building to something? And how is all of that 
get, uh, giving you an ending that you've earned rather than that just is tacked on. So it was just all that kind of, you know, liturgical stuff, weirdly, like, how do I get this shaped? And then I would just give her, we would just make sure this is this scene. Are you cool on this one? And we'd write down the jokes that we wanted that we, you know, were pitching together on Zoom. And then this one and this one, and then she would give me the draft. And then I would go through and save and cut and paste and tweak and go, I think this is actually long or we don't need this scene or whatever. And then I would take a pass and then I hand it back to her. And then I would let her sort of the two of us together would have the final word on what actually left our hands. And we would send it to and Ty. What balance. And Ty would be like, oh, and yeah, Ty would be like, I love it. Was, yeah. be like, Thanks. So there's, there's... And then he would have one small joke yeah. pitch that was like, that's funny. Yeah. Funny. Yes. That's funny. Completely. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Every time it would be like he would the actor in him would go, I feel like I would want to say this at that moment. Yeah. And I guess it's the writer in him because he has that too. But it, it he and it would be right. It would yeah. be like, yep, that's that's really funny. Dead Pilot Society is proud to be sponsored by Cobas. Music lovers, this is one of the best kept secrets out there, really. Uh, Cobuzz offers music streaming and downloads in high-res quality. Now, you may not be getting that from the streaming service you're currently using. This is artist-approved sound. This is the highest sound quality available. And if you're thinking, oh, at that quality, maybe they only have some stuff. No, they have everything. They have everything your other streaming service does. There's a library of over 70 million tracks. Try and stump them. It's really hard to stump Cobas. There's a download store. You can buy your favorite albums to add to your collection so you can enjoy them forever. Look, music connoisseurs and audiophiles. I don't want to call myself either of those things, um, but I'm both. Rely on Cobas for a complete music experience. And the Cobas experience, when you are on the app or you go to the website, it's like being in a really cool record store combined with reading a really great music magazine. It's, they offer liner notes, album reviews, artist interviews, hand-picked playlists. These aren't algorithm-generated playlists. These are Cobuzz's music experts hand-picking playlists. There's exclusive editorial content. If you love music, you need to be using Cobuzz. Now, right now, you can try Cobas with a one-month free trial at artistapprovedsound.com. That's artistapprovedsound.com. Check them out. Do you sometimes wonder whatever happened to the kids at your school who really loved Star Trek? You might remember a kid like me, the one who read the Star Trek novels and built Starship models. I also took music classes to avoid taking gym classes that required showering after, but I don't see what that really has to do with- Or a kid like me. I introduced myself to kids at my summer camp one year as Wesley, but when the school year started and some of those kids were in my new class, I actually had to explain to my friends that I had tried to take on the identity of my favorite Star Trek character. The shame haunts me to this day. I'm sure some of those Star Trek fans from your childhood grew up to have interesting and productive lives, but we ended up being podcasters. On The Greatest Discovery, you'll hear what happens to two lifelong Star Trek fans who didn't grow up to be great people, but just grew up to be people who love jokes as much as they love Trek. Season four of Star Trek Discovery is here, so listen to our new episodes every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. There's so many incredible runs of, uh, I mean, so many amazing insults.
between <laughs> Lauren and Xander, and they're so sharp and they're so specific. Um, I mean, that stuff is really, and it is remin- it, you know, it feels reminiscent of Jack and Karen on on Will and Grace. Like, you know, it's, it doesn't mean I think like, oh, that must have been Abraham writing that stuff, but it just it has that it no. has that great feel to it. But, um, that's not exactly them, but the fun of that two people oh my god you know it's just i love hearing these two go at each other because they clearly they know each other so well and they can talk about you know sucking on a frozen lasagna like a you know like it's a lot of fun and, and <laughs> that was her and just like you know is this you know, will the baby also be gross you know and it's just like you know, so that next so that it's like okay so there you go so, that, so that's the you know because it's a great show and then that that little extra topper on it um is yeah, it, it's it's fantastic because it just each one of those is serving to tell us more about who these people are. You know, so you're getting laughs and you're getting these these great, but they're each of them is also just like okay, that's a that's a thing. Uh, you know, that you're doing exposition through these great jokes, um, and nice that you have a producer that can can throw one in every now and then. That's pretty rare. Oh, completely, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also just such a cheerleader. Yeah, and uh, so you do it. You know, you you have a death. You have you know someone dies in the cold open. Um, there's this incredibly deft thing you do where there's just immediately a joke. You know, it's immediately like nothing has changed between these two, and and so we kind of you know can you know exhale and be like, okay, this this isn't going to be heavy and weird. It's still going to be fun, even though someone has died, and maybe it helps that we only got to know that person for a few pages but um <laughs> everyone was on board with with that all along um there that didn't make people nervous um at the at the network i i don't think i ever we ever had like a specific conversation with the network about it but at the studio they were always really positive about it and they were i don't know i think it's like that's just stakes, you know, that's more stakes. And that's so, so helpful for multicam when you want people to really be going crazy in a way that's like going to read on a big stage, you know, it's like, I think you can do fucked up stuff to them and people are going to react to it. And the, the, the character reacts in a bigger way and it just feels authentic, you know, it doesn't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no one ever i yeah. mean i don't remember a single note about that no they were they were really on board that it's such a good hook. well here's here is one thing and this was another like great thing about the the mom change the april adding april and losing deborah paul's mom is it it did feel like kind of too sad like the mom who had lost her child was like that's not we're not like yucking it up and that. <laughs> yeah. So um, that that it was very helpful to have April instead, but also I don't know it, it it and then it you in a sitcom you want to get to the point like in the resolution where you are almost crying and people were crying on the Zoom recording that we just did in that moment and I'm like it's nice to have that baked in it's not it's never gonna feel cheesy you know <laughs> like yeah yeah you've you've earned that emotion at the end especially because we've you kind of feel like you've you're not dealing with the fact that there's been a death mm-hmm. everything is feeling you know super light but then by the end it's just like no no no. these people are very aware that you know they have lost someone and the and you know when 
you know that moment where you're like let's let's do each other let's let's do the role reversal um is it's just a it's a great device in that scene to get to to the real emotions that they could never get to just you know actually speaking their own uh opinion um yeah what was the second episode going to be about okay so i just read it you know what's so funny is that we were doing this and i was like i better read these i haven't read them in so long and i read the second one first and then i thought we're probably not even going to talk about that. Why are they reading this? Because it was just the, I didn't even look at what I, they were both in one email. So I just clicked on uh-huh. one and started reading. I didn't even look at what it was, but anyway, go ahead. No, you just read it. You get, you give the, the blurb, <laughs> the TV guide blurb. Well, it was, um, it was, there was a really fun beginning where Lauren and Xander were at the doctor and Lauren, Xander was not being, Lauren has an emotional reaction when the doctor says, how are you feeling and how have you been? And she has an emotional reaction because she's like, it's just been so long since someone cared about how I was feeling. And they're like, is daddy not paying attention to you? And she's like, ah, not this asshole, basically. And what you realize throughout that is- It's by a the new end of the doctor. Scene, it's also, it's, it's not their regular doctor. Oh, it's a new doctor. So we get the exposition of yeah. the whole situation. So the doctor and the- Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. New doctor, all the exposition of who they are to each other, how they're just having this baby, and then she's gone. Mom shows up. Oliver shows up by an accidental text, accidentally sharing her location. And then Ethan shows up. Everyone shows up to be close to Paul and be part of this thing. And it ends with basically the doctor saying, don't let this guy in the delivery room. This is not good for you. I don't think that this is the right person necessarily to be in the delivery room with you. And it's that started the A story, which was her trying to figure out who was going to be there for her in this delivery room because she wants Paul and she can't have Paul. And the whole thing was planned with Paul. Um, and then uh, the other story was the process server. Gets, yeah. Gets served divorce papers. And um, Xander helps him through that, helps him face well, that. He's fear. hiding as someone I know really did in real life, hiding from the person who's serving divorce papers. So they don't in in Xander's apartment. Yeah. yeah. He said, I hid behind our, they came to my office. Remember this? They came to my office and served me. What did you do? I hid behind our largest secretary (laughs) and and ran out of the building. And so he ends up hiding in Xander's and then the process servers at the door, having tracked him down there. And so those were the two stories going on. One was go out with April with my mother, spend the day with her, get to know her because I think she's Paul. I married my mother. She's such a Paul. She'll be great to be in there. She's had a kid. She's my mother. She was the first face I saw. She's the first face I want my kid to see. And so it's Xander and, and, and uh, I mean, it's Lauren and uh, April trying to get to know each other with Lauren holding on to the idea that Oliver is the love of her life and maybe he should be in there with her. And then on the other side of it, Xander is helping Ethan get through, face your divorce. You're stuck. You're a hamster on a wheel. And that basically turns on Xander where he realizes I have all these new hobbies and I'm just running in place and I'm not, I'm doing all these hobbies and I'm not recovering and I'm not dealing and I'm not, and he's forced to do that. He ends up hanging from a fire escape by his belt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gets stuck on a thing. Yeah. Talking to Paul's deodorant. <laughs> um, so the ba- you were yeah. thinking that this baby was going to be born in episode. I Wait. thought that, the, the, well, I thought at the end of season one, but we maybe thought like halfway through season one, if possible. I mean, if you're, 
Well, it all depended on where we were, you know, because we were like, well, you got, they kept saying that. So when is your baby going to, when is the, and we were like, how do we know? Are you going to put it on mid-season? Are you going to put it on, is it like a special Christmas episode? Well, it's not if you don't air it until April. And also how many episodes? What we did say to them, which everyone seems satisfied with is we'll just see, we want to get all the mileage we can get out of this pregnancy. And when we start to get bored with the pregnancy, they can have the baby. (laughs) Yeah. It was basically that. Yeah. I mean, um, it does seem like there's no way to answer those questions, right? It's just like, well, let's let's see if we keep finding fun in this situation before we move on to the next stage. And it always is, um, you know, I don't know. Abraham, you like, you know, in Modern Family, there are new babies and you know dealt with those stories and everything that comes with shooting shows with little babies and it's and then what do you do with the baby and it's always it's kind of a pain Um, it's kind of a that was another reason by the way when they when they first sent me the script i was like ty it's more gays and babies and what am i have just been doing that for 10 years i need to write something else but uh and then there we go. And also, we had just been writing Haley pregnant. So, right. And weirdly, we cast Elliot Knight in the lead. And Elliot did a pilot for me years before, which is how he sort of ended up in the conversation for this show. And he was a friend of Sarah's. And one day, while she was pregnant and in the wardrobe trailer, we had the same crew for the pilot and for Modern Family. He went in to get fitted for my pilot. And so there's a picture that they have of Sarah yeah, pregnant they sent in, us in costume. Picture. It was so amazing. Uh, and and Elliot not <laughs> yeah, right, standing right. beside her, holding her. And it was like, that looks like the, po- it's it's for the poster show. for the show. And it just happened years before this thing ever existed. It was just a weird coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the, um, the thing is you have such an unusual situation, right? I mean, you've, you know, you've written stuff with new babies and, and dealing with a newborn, but this show has such a unique take on on those on those conflicts for sure um that it it could be fresh um you know i'm sure if i you know were i going into it thinking of like if i'm supervise this i would first be like oh just babies like when you've done that on a show you just know <laughs> yeah it's just a drag um because you just well, it's a prop for months. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can't, you know, people don't like it when you just like see the character and it seems like no one's dealing with that baby. It's just like, well, where's the baby? Right. So it's like, the baby's not fun right now. Like we want to have this fun <laughs> that requires her to not be a baby. So. And then the minute they can be a tiny bit fun, everybody wants to see the sweet moment with the baby who won't stop You're crying because right. they don't want to be on television. <laughs> they didn't choose to be on television. They don't want to be on television. None of it's fun for them. So it was, yeah. And we had, my point of that before was we had just written Sarah pregnant. And you think there's all these stories that you can do. And then you sit down and you talked about a woman pregnant and you're like, what the fuck fresh can we do with a childbirth, uh, a pregnancy, yeah. a Lamaze class, a this, a that. And we did have one that I think was, I can't remember if it was your pitch. I think probably it was your pitch that you wanted to do a a gender reveal for epi- she wa- he wants to do a yeah, gender reveal cl- and she thinks that's so inappropriate right. that she was more the contemporary mindset of the baby's gender you go but th- that was your pitch yes, right yeah that they uh 
they're having this like disagreement over whether or not to throw a gender reveal party and I guess you did. You told it, Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, again, I guess it's like, you know, that's a, it's a conflict any, you know, a show with any parents could have, but, but there's such, something so specific about Lauren right. and Xander's perspective on all of these decisions, right? There's always going to be. The other thing is, is that makes it different is they, until, until the baby arrives or until like shortly before the baby arrives, she's, thinking she's just a surrogate she's gonna be out of there so then it's kind of like hopefully would become fresh again when they're like okay now i'm mom and your dad like and how do we n- navigate that relationship whereas you know with all the pregnancy stuff i think it was kind of interesting and different because it was like <laughs> she doesn't really have a leg to stand on in terms of like what do i want for this baby so it was kind of all about like, what does she want for her body? <laughs> Herself, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which oh, maybe God. we haven't seen. <laughs> totally, S- such a good joke in there. They've been that episiotomy run about deciding uh, between vagina and butthole. Between and the vagina plus, and the butthole. That's why I spent all of high school. Or whatever that joke was, so, was so so great. That that is Abraham's joke. Although the the I have to choose between my vagina and my butthole has been in the script for since the beginning, and also one of the potential supervisors was like, "It's blue. I just think it's so blue." And I was like, "That's what happens to a, I'm describing <laughs> childbirth. That's yeah. not blue. That's." You anatomy. have children. Yeah. That happened yeah. to your wife's body. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what happens to women's bodies it's is blue, blue to a lot of men. Yeah. <laughs> dick, Even though it's yeah, all Yeah, dick want. jokes aren't blue. Dick jokes are fine. No, 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 no. Yeah. Dick jokes are fine. But wh- whatever's going on down there that isn't just a portal, it's a, it's, then it's forget icky. it. It's really icky. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess these things, you know, so many pilots, because there's... You know, for so many years, it's been like, okay, act breaks, you know, in a pilot, you have to have this big act break. And so many of those end up being um, pregnancies, right? So it's just like, <laughs> there's so many things. It's just like people do end up with, okay, now, shit, we've got someone pregnant and they're having, you know, and now we got to deal with this kid, but it's not really baked into the pilot. It was just going for like, what's a shocking act break? And there's not that many things to choose from. Um, <laughs> but here it did seem like, you know, you, you had a concept that could support it so much better. Um, and uh, how much, you know, how, how far ahead had you, had you thought? You said you had to, you know, write a series document at some point. Had you cut? Oh, that's right. Um, had you come up with, you know, beyond like the baby being born, were there, were there more milestones that you had sort of plotted out thinking about the seasons of this? Well, we, not so much milestones, but we knew where we were going in terms of, you know, she was going to get back together with Oliver, but really Ethan is the guy for her. So ultimately she ends up with Ethan and that's like the long arc of that. And, and then I, I always thought Oliver would become the Manny. So once they have the baby and all they're still dating and Oliver's still around, it's like, he's a big baby anyway. Like he gets along with the baby more than anyone. So and we got to keep all of her. Oh yeah, around. we had jokes about that, right? She wanted a man's influence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Elliot, I I don't even think Xander was supposed to take offense yeah. to that, right? In our world, he was just like, no, 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 I see that. <laughs> and yeah. then um, 
uh, I was also really interested in like, you know, Xander kind of recovering from Paul's death and ultimately kind of falling in love again and get and having his next big relationship. And then we also, I feel yeah, like, what? didn't we have a, didn't we have a way? I don't remember what it is. So you can say no, if you don't remember, but didn't we have a way of getting him and her giving, getting the two of them on board parenting together? I thought we even had like a little bit of a, a story notion about how the season would yeah. end with her saying, I yes. can't just let this go, but I don't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, It was going to be, she kind of realizes first, I want to parent this baby. Like I, I want to be its mom and stuff, but obviously she's the surrogate. She can't say that to Xander. Like it's his baby. The agreement is it's his baby. But then the kind of big, we thought the end of season one would be he then comes to her and says, I, I, and which would be more unexpected because he's more kind of like closed off and not going to express his wants and needs and thinks he can do everything by himself. And so he comes to her and says, like, I need you to stay. I can't do this without you. And then that's exactly what she wants to hear. That's that was that was our notion. Oh, yeah, it was that yeah. it was her. It was just that she was going to decide it yeah feel it and then and then say but that's not the agreement i made and she was gonna just like i'm gonna shut off to this i thought yeah. like i'm just gonna do what i have to do and he goes through some other process that led yeah. him to i need you to do this with me yeah don't leave me i'm freaked out <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> basically so you went on this just incredible journey you know your dreams you know, tell me a little bit if you can, not to bring up uh, unpleasant things, but um, what happened when it didn't happen and how you dealt with that? Yeah, it was so, um, it was, I was always fine. And I think I was always just like, this is even at so many points in the process, I was like, if the plug gets pulled now, I'm already leaps and bounds past where I, was or could even really expect to be <laughs> at this point so we're all good but I remember when the plug was officially pulled I was with I was staying with my in-laws in Florida and I was I had a pitch for an animated show the next day to 20th and I so I went I just I don't know I pitched it like I, <laughs> it was just <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think I was, uh, I, I was hedging always as I think you have to. So I had gotten, um, you know, really good man. Bought a house. Okay. <laughs> I bought, so I bought the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got really good. No, I also, I, I wanted to buy a house and I, and my dad was like, Julia, do not buy a house. And I was like, dad, like, if this show goes, like, I was like, you don't understand. Like, I'm never going to have like a salary job where I'm going to know how much money I'm going to make. And he goes, Juliet, just so you know, if this show goes, you're still not going to be rich. And I was like, oh, that's such a rude thing to say. <laughs> yes, I am going to be rich. <laughs> don't tell me I'm not going to be rich. But anyway, I, did, I didn't buy a house. Um, but I had gotten new managers Good. and I had... um like gotten my feature set up somewhere. So I felt like I had other things going and I, my in-laws were so impressed that I just like got up the next day and pitched a new show. 
I got a lot of street cred in that house for that. <laughs> That's the best thing you could do, right? It's the best way to yeah. get over these things is just to have another project you're invested in and excited about. It's the only yes. thing that really gets you over it, right? Yeah. Um, and were you, Abraham, you being more seasoned and unshockable, like, were you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what's so funny is every time you're surprised <laughs> that you do get surprised. Every time you're a little surprised because you allow yourself to get invested. You allow yourself. This time I have to say I was less. Um, I've allowed myself more in the past to believe the number of times they say to you. <laughs> this is a go. You should start interviewing writers and you're, you know what I mean? You get those calls and what are you even worried about? The pilot I did before that, I got the call. This is a no brainer. Why are you even thinking about this? Like figure out who you want your staff to be, figure and then dead <laughs> in a day. And the same thing happened. And that's kind of what happened with this. And I guess I knew because you always know, like this is so killable. Everything's killable. Yeah. Nothing. And, and what's survivable doesn't make sense either. So often, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And so I guess I just thought like, holy shit, this just happened to her. And mostly I felt for Julia because it was, it was my stepchild. It was her child, which is terrible. To but say you that did you say that if, if, less, my, but... if my first show went, you were going to punch me in the stomach. <laughs> That's true. I was going to punch you. Well, now I wouldn't because you're Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh no, I did. I think I probably did. <laughs> I was like, if you're first, because there were so many signs pointing to, we're dying to have Sarah Hyland back on ABC. We're in love with Elliot Knight, you know, read for this. And these scripts keep coming in and we're so happy. And there was so much joy. And even when there was a problem, we together were able to fix it out, fix, uh, figure it out quickly enough that they were like, holy shit, this really works. Great. This is, this combo is really working. And they were sort of even liking the two of us working together. There was so much positive yeah. and it really was as pilots go. I mean, especially for you, it's, it was such a, I think up to, by the time we actually started working on it and turning in drafts and turning in outlines and turning in shit like that, it was a really, really manageable and lovely and generous from specifically from the studio and also from the network. They were very like on board and game and let's figure this out because here's, you know, and then we'd come up with a fix and they'd be like, that's it. That's exactly what we're talking about. And they were all, there was a nice, um, I like when the executives say, we're going to tell you how we feel. We don't know what the fix is. And occasionally people pitch stuff and you're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> and I can't even, and I, and because it was Julia's in a weird way, I think there were a couple of times where I was probably more forthright than I should have been. One time when I called their notes Byzantine, they were like, we're going to send we're going to send an email first to really help you guys. So when we get on the phone, it can be quicker. And then when we, we get on the, the phone, phone and, and like, I think so, Abraham was like, yeah, I don't know what this is. And I was like, I feel like the, stu my, the precious studio. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, they said, well, what did you think of the doc? Did the email help? And I said, it's not, not Byzantine, <laughs> what you wrote. And then they could not, they kept bringing up Byzantine during that call, like 15 times that I said it. And they kept saying it. And I was like, come on, you guys. It's like boiled it down to in this phone call is there's two notes that were in a page and a half fucking email of, of different ways of saying things. And also those words that, that executives, I mean, they go to these 
retreats and they talk about things that they want and then but they think that we have the same words they have and we don't like what is her agency and we were both like what are you talking about what is we want more of lauren's agency and we were like okay that's a term that you guys have all decided as a thing in writing (laughs) but it hasn't made it to the writers rooms yet so we don't know what that is um and it was kind of that but don't you think too that your um, part of your job is to be a bit of the the muscle right to be the the heavy oh as the supervisor for sure yeah as a supervisor i was a little bit like i'm gonna i can a you benefit from you have left less to lose but at the same time it's like i've been with these people for a a lot of those people at 20th my 18 years 16 7 whatever it was year career at that point all but two years were at 20th. Like I'd been there. I know these people. I've worked with Dana Walden for many years. I have, I mean, it's a privilege. I have had such luck in that place and such good fortune that I feel like I've earned a little bit of like, we're not doing that. I don't, I don't know what that is. And it doesn't make sense to me. And, or we're just not going to do that pitch. Like, you know, there were a couple of times where I was like, we're not doing that. We're just not doing that. We're going to turn in our own thing and we're going to explain why, and that'll be it. And, um, and there were a couple of times where we were like, you're right. I understand what you mean. For example, they once I got involved, I and I felt terrible because their first note, Julie, I don't know if you remember this. They were a little bit like, everything makes sense more structurally. Everything feels like the story builds better. The act, everything's there in terms of that. But we feel like we don't like the characters in the beginning as much. And I really felt like, oh, fuck, that's me. <laughs> because I kept saying, and I said to her early, I said, are you sure they don't? mind that these two don't like each other this much because i had just had a pilot die because they were like well they didn't like that so-and-so was too snarky or they were people should be nice to each other it was like pre-ted lasso but when they still wanted everyone to be nice to each other all the time and i was kind of like are we sure are we sure so we would we were like let's just double down let's have fun with this and one of the fixes that we came up with i don't know if you remember this is when they i said what if we when that Clara shows up, the the doula. the the doula, when the doula shows up, that we were just like, what if they're both blindsided as opposed to it's her driving it and he doesn't want to do it. And that somehow softened that whole opening because it made them both be on the same team suddenly and go, wait, what's happening? Why is this here? We don't know what we want to do about this. And they were together before they were apart. I think we had made the mistake of they were just apart the whole time. They were always at each other. There was no moment where they were on the same team. And it just gave them a moment on the team. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all thrilled. You know what I mean? It was like such a small fix that we could do. But it was just, and it was very lovely that way. They were very generous with, this is what we want. Yes. And so that also leads you to believe you're not going to be dead come May. Uh, well, you know, the, the pandemic may have had something to do with it too, right? I mean, they're just, they're making fewer things and it just made, it made yeah, the odds a lot they harder. did pick up a lot of, you know, they picked up prior year the previous cycle. Also, um, there was like a big, the Disney, the Disney reshuffling happened. And right. so we had our little plants at like <laughs> in every little company, but then they all got shuffled around and all of a sudden yeah. our fans weren't where we needed them to be anymore. <laughs> well, it was weird. I mean, they kept doing that. Like I sold a pilot to Channing Dungey and then she left and Carrie Burke had to decide whether or not it was going. Then Carrie we, is who we, you sold this to. Yeah. We and then she went Carrie to the and studio then and then ended up having to sell it to Craig. Yeah. Who we had no relationship with. Yeah. I mean, in terms of this show. Right. So it was just a weird, like it kept changing and the people who were invested from the beginning sort of went away. Yeah. 
as someone who does a podcast that is all pilots that have died, regime change is certainly mm. the most common cause of death. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, it's it's a really, it's such a fun pilot and I'm so glad you uh, let us read it and helped us put together that great cast. And uh, it was really, it was, it was a pleasure. It was so, so thank fun you. to hear it. Yeah, thanks for doing it. Thank I know it was so, she was really excited. I have to say when she was like, guess what is happening? <laughs> like, so Andrew, thank you because you did this thing. And that was part of the fun of it was like getting to get Julia out there doing her thing. Cause she is talented and you just did a little bit more to yeah. do that. No, it's nice. It's great. It's great. I'm so happy to have it out there. So thank you both so much. You're welcome. Thanks. For it was nice to see you again. You too. All right. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye. I do hope you enjoyed that. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Finling, and it is edited by Jordan Katz. Hey, if you like this show, how's about you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? It really, really helps. Maybe uh, also tell a friend about us. You can follow us on social media to find out all the latest. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilots Society. Until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.